Welcome to Chat with Crystal, empowerment coaching and conversations with real women from around the world. I'm your host, Crystal Andrus Morissette, founder of the SWAT Institute. Women are being called right now to help heal this world. And it's time for a radio podcast that shows the how we're going to do just that, empowering one woman at a time. Now let's get to it. Welcome, everyone. Of course, I'm Crystal, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. It is uh, Friday, April 3rd, and the world is in a different place than it was just one month ago on uh, March 3rd. Things were just starting to, hmm, the, the, some of the fear was brewing. It was beginning to uh, spread just like the virus. The fear was beginning to spread, and uh, some people believed it. Some people didn't believe it. And here we all are, no matter what country you're in right now, being forced to look at um, your beliefs, where you're resonating, what you're thinking, how you're feeling. Um, And I want to be able to support you because fear is, you know, we were just studying, we were talking about fear this week in my personal empowerment coach certification in our, our class. We have a live class every week for the students. And we were talking about fear, this very thing this week and how fear is inborn. You know, there are some emotions that are actually not inborn. They're learned emotions, for example, shame and guilt. We know that those emotions don't even form until we're about 18 months old. So that is, you know, don't go poo-poo's in your pants anymore. And then you feel really embarrassed and ashamed and you start to think, oh, I'm a bad person. So shame says who I am is no good. And guilt says what I did was no good. But fear is different. Fear is an inborn emotion, and it is truly meant to be like a a shot of adrenaline to get you the hell out of Dodge. It is not meant to be an energy that we live in. And that's what anxiety is. Anxiety and fear are a little bit different. Fear is actually, there is impending doom. It is impending doom. You are in the dark alley and you have three thugs coming at you and your fear is meant to be there right then and there for you to run (laughs) or fight or flee. Uh, It's meant to be, boom, a quick shot of adrenaline. It's meant to be, you know, you put your hand on the hot burner on the stove and you instantly lift your hand off because that would burn you. That would hurt you. Anxiety is different. Anxiety is just this feeling that something bad in the future might happen. And it can be absolutely debilitating. It can be incredibly exhausting. It can suck every bit of your energy from you. And then on top of it, keep you awake all night with worry. And so that's why we want to talk about how do we deal with what we're all going through right now. And we don't let ourselves live in a state of anxiety over it. We're able to walk ourselves back up the empowerment spectrum um, so that we can be reasonable and logical and smart. Um, Because reason on the map of consciousness, Dr. David Hawkins' map of consciousness that you've heard me talk about many times from the book Power Versus Force, reason, the emotion called reason, did you know it was an emotion? Reason resonates right under love. Reason resonates right between acceptance and love. In fact, you can't love something 
until you accept it. And you can't love something until you're reasonable. And that also means loving yourself. You have to accept yourself. You have to be reasonable with yourself. And that allows you to shift into a higher state of consciousness, a higher state of being called love. And that's where we all want to get to, even in times of crisis. And that's why we are being called right now more than ever before in the history of the world, at least in the last hundred years, for us to come together to stay high resonating, to not give our power away to anxiety and to not fall into fear. And it takes someone sometimes helping us to either ask ourselves the right questions or to ask us the right questions. um, And that allows us to make better sense of things. Fear is like paralysis analysis. We get into a state of fear and it's almost like no man's land. And that's really what's happened for so many people right now. You know, just under fear on the map of consciousness is an emotion called grieving or sorrow. And for many of us right now, collectively, the world is grieving grieving unnecessary deaths, grieving unnecessary illness, grieving how much this virus has spread around and shut so many businesses down. There's so many grieving for the loss of freedom. I mean, I'm blessed. I'm in a big old 4,000 square foot house with many bedrooms and my own sacred space where I paint. Um, I have a beautiful big bedroom with a beautiful big bathroom dressing room where I have a infrared sauna and a whirlpool and a vibration machine that I can get on and help, you know, shift my lymphatic drainage. And I have a inversion table where I can hang upside down and you know, I have a treadmill and an arc trainer and I have a beautiful yard with a swimming pool and a bonfire pit. I have a basketball court and a tennis court right beside my my house. Um, we have a badminton net. We have we do have all that someone would need to be able to be so happy and feel safe in a time like this. But that's not everybody. And I think not only just about the people in Western civilizations who maybe are in a little one-bedroom apartment with no balcony, who are all by themselves, who are scared and lonely, lonely, lonely. Just being able to get out and walk through a bookstore and grab a coffee or walk through a a store where you can look at knickknacks or decorations or all of those things where for many of us in our Western society, we're suddenly feeling like those simple freedoms we don't have right now. And we're grieving that. Maybe you have someone that you love that's working on the front lines. Maybe you have someone who's working in the grocery store, who's still working At the hospital, I have many clients who are nurses who are right in the thick of this. And, you know, don't you get me wrong. I am praying a mighty prayer every day, many times throughout the day uh, for so many, for our world as we know it. For a lot of people, they're in deep grieving. I will be honest, I'm not in deep grieving. And I have to be very, very careful how I say this because I... 
don't know if I'm just a little crazy person, but I kind of felt many, many years ago that the world as we knew it was changing and I wanted to be ahead of it. So I did get ahead of it. I got ahead of it and I learned how to create an online business and I, I've developed incredible friendships with women I've never met. But boy, I feel like I love them and I know them. And they might not even live in my country. But we're connected. We're spiritually connected. We're emotionally connected. We're energetically connected. And it's times like this that we're really calling on each other. It it brings me back to 2009 when the Dalai Lama came here to Canada and told the Western, I mean, told the Vancouver Peace Summit that the Western woman will heal the world. And... I believed him. I remember back in 2009 hearing him speak and bawling my eyes out. You know one of those spontaneous tears of truth? Sometimes you'll hear me say when I'm coaching, it's a laugh of truth. It's just a spontaneous little... <laughs> or just spontaneously, sometimes you're watching something or listening to someone speak or listening to a beautiful song and you just start to cry. And those are tears of truth. Those are tears of truth that are allowing you to grieve what was they're allowing you to see that what was will never be. And sometimes that even means saying goodbye to something that was really toxic. And you have to give yourself permission to grieve what you lost all the years, the could have beens, the should have beens, the ought to have beens. And grieving is a really important and natural process in becoming empowered. In Western society, in our Western culture, we don't have a lot of grieving rituals. We don't have a lot of, of ways that we can celebrate the ending of something. We're all about new beginnings, the new job, and falling in love, a new baby, getting married, buying a new house. Everything's about the new. And we, we've only been taught how to celebrate and actually feel happiness, stay positive, you know, just don't talk about the past, don't focus on things that make you sad. But the problem is that stuff happened and it can get really clogged emotionally inside the body. So part of what we do at the SWAT Institute, Simply Woman Accredited Trainer, my school that I built in 2009, right after I heard the Dalai Lama say that the Western woman will heal the world, I went to work immediately. I felt called right then and there. It's time and we need to create an online community where women from all over the world can come together, can become empowered, can be supported, can feel safe even in your homes. Because I knew that I struggled with PTSD. I knew that I struggled sometimes in large groups. I knew that I sometimes felt afraid to leave my house. I'm never like an agoraphobe. I was never somebody that didn't go out for dinners and didn't have great lunches. But I had a sense of... um a little bit of it's a scary world out there, but I don't want to resonate in fear. And so I created an absolutely magical safe haven for me and for my children. And funny enough, my daughters are both in their 20s and they've mo both moved out. And they too both have created absolutely magnificent safe havens and they work from home. And I don't say that to anybody right now that has not created that. Like, oh, good for you, Crystal. But do I do want to say is we are being called to grieve what was. And it's natural when you grieve what was to move into a new energy field or a new emotional space called fear. 
it's no man's land. It's a period of confusion. I'm not there anymore. It's not like that anymore. But I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what the new is yet. And most of us, when we hit fear, we don't want to feel it. So we often go back to the old pattern, go back to the old story, go back to what was, go back to the, you know, focusing on the past, who did us wrong, whose fault it is, uh, who is to blame. Maybe we even get out the metaphorical whip and we start lashing ourselves. You should have known better. You should have thought, you should have got that course done. You should have had your, that none of that serves us. None of that will serve you. But understanding that fear is a temporary place, you don't have to live in anxiety, but you do have to grieve what was. And sometimes that means writing a goodbye letter, maybe to a person, what should have been, could have been, and ought to have been. Um, I've even had women say, I just want to write my grieving letter to God, to the virus, to a sickness to an illness, to something that you felt really took from you and changed who you are, maybe to an abuser, to your rapist, to that person that physically abused you. It's it's not a way of really, you you might say, am I grieving? You're saying, you changed me. This changed me. And right now, I'm going to give myself permission to have a little pity party so I can shake that devil off my back and begin to build something new in a book called transitions by the author william bridges he says that all transitions happen in three steps or three stages and i love how it perfectly aligns with our map of consciousness so the beginning transition uh william bridges says is called um the ending there's an ending And we call that grieving. And then he says, we move into the neutral zone or no man's land. We call that fear. And then he says, the moment will come when you realize it is time for a new beginning. And we call that desire. And you can't fake it. But what I do want to promise you is that when you do have someone, an empowerment coach, someone very wise, someone resonating in what I call woman energy or man energy, They can ask you the right questions that activates your own inner wisdom that helps you climb up back into desire. Well, if I wasn't afraid, what would I do? If I wasn't afraid, and yeah, I'm angry that things have changed, but I'm going to have some pride and dignity and some courage to start to rewrite things in my life, start to think about when this all passes What do I want to go back and do again? What friendships do I want to spend time with? Do I want a handshake? Or do I want to start doing a little bow and a namaste? Do I want to do a little elbow pump? (laughs) You know, on a lighter note, do I want to keep doing that same job? Have we cut back tremendously on expenses? Do we need to live the way we were living? Do we need two cars? Do we need all those things? Did we need that, this and that and movies and that and dinners and out? And Are we saving money? Are we getting happier at home? Can we play a game of chess? My husband and I are playing chess and I got out our board game of Scrabble. Yes, we are playing Scrabble. And you know what? We're laughing more. We're gentler with each other. And I think that's what this time also does. 
It makes everyone be a little bit gentler because everyone's in it. And so today I would love to support you. I would love to coach you. I'd love to help ask you some important questions that will activate your own inner wisdom because we all have it. You have to know that we're all a part of collective consciousness. We all have access to the same information, but some of us just were never taught to think for ourselves or to think in that new way. And sometimes we just need someone to show us. And so I would love to support you today. If you're actually on the conference line right now in the vault, uh, all you have to do is press star two on your keypad, on your phone or on your, um, your, your computer or whatever it is, however you've logged in today. If you're live here on the call, I'll be able to support you. So all you have to do, like I said, is press star two. It'll put you in the queue and then we'll do some coaching. If you're listening for the first time as a podcast and you're thinking, geez, Crystal, I would love to come and chat with you free of charge um, anonymously. All you have to do is go visit us at my school, www.swat, just like special weapons and tactical, but we're the new special weapons and tactical that are going to heal the world with love. www.swatinstitute.com. And you'll see chat with Crystal. And it will give you a local number that you can either call in from many, 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 many cities from many, 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 many countries around the world. Just call in on a local number or just connect through your computer and come in on a web call. So I'm going to go to the phone lines right now and I'm going to unmute the very first hand that went up. And I think it's someone from Chicago, but I'm not 100 percent. Hey, who's on the line? This is Alicia. 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 See, I know your voice by now. How are you? Mm, I'm kind of struggling today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about mm-hmm. it. What are you feeling? What's happening? Um, I guess sadness. Mm-hmm. I, um, I've been working on my assignments, and I guess can't actually do the assignment without going through your own process. And I also have my kindergarten picture hanging up mm. and I get to see her often. So it kind of like brings bring in a lot of tears, a lot of um, emotions that I haven't felt like forever yeah. because um, I never gave myself permission to cry because I always said that tears were a sign of weakness and I didn't want to feel weak and I didn't want anyone to see me at my most vulnerable stage. But now I feel like I have to be vulnerable because I'm in a space where I'm owning my story because it's my story and I can't not ignore it because it's something that was bad and I was the one to have to go through it. So how could I deny myself if I don't own it? Yeah, you got it. 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 And boy, Alicia, if we were just sitting together right now, I'd just give you the biggest hug and say, like, hmm, you, you, tears are not signs of weakness. Here's actually what tears are. Tears in the most scientific way. Do you know the tears that you cry when you're sad? have a different chemical makeup than the tears you cry when you're joyous? There's actually different. I didn't know that. And so tears are actually a way for your body, almost like a volcano. You know, there are, there are actually millions of active volcanoes all over the earth that will never erupt. You know why? They have vents. 
They have little air holes on the sides of the volcano that allow the steam to vent out and so the pressure never gets too high that it actually has to erupt and blow lava all over and, and burn burn everything in its wake. And tears are our body's way of releasing pent-up pressure. And when we cry tears for sadness, it actually begins to release really sad chemicals out of your body. It's cleansing. It's giving your heart and your body a chance to release so much suffering, so much pain, so much injustice, so many things that should never have happened to you and that did happen to you. And so tears are very healing. Tears are very healing. You know, I got to tell you, I cry all the time. <laughs> I cry. I cry, Alicia. I cry for, I, I cry with joy when someone has accomplished something and they're so happy. I'm so happy for them. I cry. And I cry when I see someone that's suffering in so much pain. My compassion and my heart cries for their little girl, cries for what they've been through, cries for their... And my kids will sometimes laugh at me. My kids will say, Mom, why are you crying? I don't think I'm weak. I think I'm one of the strongest women I've ever met. And I know you are too. And you're doing the work, Alicia. Yeah. You're doing the work. You're doing the work. You are, you've signed up to become an empowerment coach. You're, you're doing the processes. And you're really finally letting yourself heal a lifetime of abuse. A lifetime. And I know this because we've worked together. So if anyone's listening right now, um, you know, I, I, the Cliff's Notes version, little Alicia, little tiny little girl Alicia grew up in a very, very rough neighborhood in Chicago. She was born into a family of women who were angry and didn't know how to to love themselves and they certainly didn't know how to love little Alicia. She had a mother who called her a bitch every day. Hey bitch, who you think you are? You think you're better than me? Well, you think you're all that? You're not all that. Little Alicia was sexually abused as a little girl. She got pregnant at 11, was taken by the city bus, dropped off at an abortion clinic by herself, had to go into that abortion clinic by herself at 11, was given an abortion. And I say, how did the doctors not say, what? What? You're 11. You were raped. Let's get the police involved. No, no. Little Alicia then got picked up by, and had to get on a city bus and drove the bus home with her mom, who never talked about it again, but basically berated her. And made her feel like she was a bad girl. She was always worried that Alicia might try to steal her boyfriend. Like, for God's sake, lady. At 15, Alicia was standing out at a bus stop early one morning to catch the bus. And a pimp got out of a car with a machete and put it to her neck and forced her into the car and held her for a week and raped her repeatedly and was preparing her for the sex trade sex trafficking and she escaped she had a quarter in her pocket and she called her uncle who picked her up and drove her straight to the police station and they failed her when her mom arrived her mom said oh she's just lying she always lies Alicia was failed 
over and over and over by society, by doctors, by police, by her family, by her aunties, by women, by men. She was failed. But Alicia still knew she was something special, and she is. And she went on to decide, I'm going to have a stable life. I'm going to get married, even if I'm not happy. She had a little boy. She raised him the best she can. He's now got his master's degree in law. He wants to get his PhD. I don't think he's got his PhD yet. Does he yet, Alicia? He's working on it. Working on his PhD. And, and then when Alicia finally raised her son and decided, I have to leave this marriage because it's sucking the soul out of me, but I gave my boy a stable life. Alicia got divorced and then was diagnosed with breast cancer and had a double mastectomy and that was what a year ago oh alicia my goodness my dear sister you have every reason to cry you have every reason to cry and it's not weak it's healing you're right Right? i'm still here to talk about it you got to talk about it. And I love that you said, like, when I don't own my story, it owns me. And that story owned you for too long and it kept you tough. Like, you're so gentle and so beautiful. Like, the first time I saw you and we, were, we met online through Facebook, you signed up to do one of my courses. I think we did a couple coaching calls. I saw this sweet little girl. Like, you actually have a smile that looks like you're still five years old. You have a, a sweetness, like you're still a five-year-old little girl. And the truth is, that five-year-old little girl needs protection now. And that's what's happening, Alicia. That's why you've got the picture of you out from kindergarten. And I want to tell you something. I downloaded that picture of you. You put it on Facebook. I downloaded that picture of you, and I printed it off. And it sits on my desk, too, Alicia. And I know that the work that I'm doing in the world is not just for me or for my daughters, but it's for you and for your little girl, too. <laughs> and you know, as part of the healing process, sometimes is just being witnessed. Just being witnessed. Just having someone say, what happened to you? What? What? That's outrageous. That's outrageous. And I'm so sorry. And I hate what you went through. And we have to grieve. You have to grieve what could have been, should have been, and ought to have been. And the moment will come, Alicia, when you decide suffering no longer serves you. Suffering no longer serves you. And you... You must decide that the rest of your life matters so very much and your joy and happiness has to start coming first. You're right. You're right. I know that right now I feel like God has it on everybody on pause and, you know, um, and people are looking at this season in our life differently, but my life 
have all has always been like this. I mean, my life was forever changed when I was 11 when I had that abortion. So I was changed then. So I feel like, you know, this is just, you know, part of my story. It's part of everyone's story. And, and I can't control it. All I can do is just acknowledge it and keep it moving. Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting that you said it that way. Like, this has just always been my life. There's always been crisis. There's always been fear. There's always been chaos. There's always been um, isolation. There's always been loneliness in my heart. There's always, there's always been that. And so you got nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> like, I don't mean to make a laugh at it, but it's no. like, okay, so you've been there long enough that you know this ain't the way to live. So right. let's move you. Let's we and I want you to stay where you need to stay, but Alicia, as you as you see what's happening in the world and you're being called and you're healing yourself, what do you see for your future? Um mm, it's 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 um what I see it kinda it, it doesn't kinda like it does scare the pants off of me pretty much because I know what is out there. And when I own my story on the stage, mm-hmm. it's going to help women own their story as well and not let their darkness outshine their lightness. And it's because I know it's not your, it's not my lightness, my light that frightens me. It's my darkness, you know, the parts of me that I had and, I don't want anybody to know about because they're going to look at me in a different way. It doesn't matter right now how you look at me mm. because my darkness is, 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 is my goal. It's my, my best asset that I have to show off, even though yes. those people may not accept me, but it's the ones that I will, that will attract are the ones that, you know, that will celebrate their darkness as well. And it just is it's, it's almost like because I had been actually doing my, my process about, you know, starting my business, thinking about the name, thinking about the photo I want to use, thinking about my logo. And that I think that's what pretty much got me to this pace, this space that I'm in right now, because I know my I was I was I was telling myself yesterday Alicia, your life is about to change. Alicia, your life is about to change. And and I believe that pretty much scared me as well because I don't know what it's like to have plenty mm-hmm. and more than enough. And I know that I have to change my relationship with money. And when I went through my breast cancer process, I lost everything. I didn't have anything, but I felt like I had everything. And um, I was, I'm thinking that I have to, that I have to file bankruptcy. And so that's another thing. And it's just like, you know, one thing after another. And I just want to just, I want to be vibrating so high that money doesn't affect me and it doesn't affect my personal life as well. Mm -hmm. I just love though, the way you started this was when I'm on the stage. (laughs) Oh, Alicia, when I'm on the stage and I'm telling my story, Alicia, you know, my my biggest fear for a long time was that people would discover 
the chaos, dysfunction, drama that I grew up with that people would think what people would discover and be like, oh, she's teaching us how to be empowered. Oh, she's teaching us about love, but she doesn't have a relationship with her family. I had to keep that hidden. And finally, about five years ago, I thought, but this is what my life is. This is who I was born into. That was the family I was given. And I can't pretend. And you know what? More than anything, it's healed me to be able to tell the truth I'm not proud of it. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I had a different beginning, but I've helped so many. I'm going to say thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of women by telling my story. And crazy, who knew that telling my story over time, I would begin to get paid to speak, paid to coach, paid to have an opinion. I was homeless too. I don't know if you've ever been home. I was homeless for a few years as a teenager. And I made a decision almost like, you know, I don't know why this just popped into my head, but that my mother loved the movie Gone with the Wind. And there's a scene where Scarlett O'Hara picks up the red ground, the red soil of Georgia and says, as God is my witness, if I have to steal, if I have to, I forget everything she says, I will never, no, I will never go hungry again. And I remember that moment and saying, I never can live like this again. And I have to get serious about making sure that I take care of me and I change the pattern for my girls. They will not live in poverty. They will not live in abuse. They will not live with uncertainty. They will not live. And that became, and when you decide, and that's what desire is, it's just on the other side of fear. When you decide my life matters. I got to get back in the game. I have people around me who believe in me. I have a course that I'm taking. I see other women who have taken that same program. I see women in that sisterhood who are doing well. They, they might not be making millions, but they are definitely living with more than enough. And it's out there, Alicia. And it's your birthright too. And just because no one taught it to you doesn't mean it's not possible. And not only is it not possible, it can be a real probability for you. If you keep doing the work and deciding that you got to clean up whatever unfinished business you got to clean up, you've got to grieve that mastectomy, you've got to grieve that bankruptcy, you've got to grieve, you got to grieve it all and decide I'm not living that way anymore. And we got to start building something new. And you're doing it. You really, really are doing it. Yes, I know. I know. I got to keep moving forward. I want to speak, and I've been watching videos, and I need to go. I got my certification in domestic violence. I did my 40 hours a week. I did that last year. I did my 40 hours a week on sexual assault. So oh. I'm thinking maybe um, I connected with a with an owner that runs a shelter, and I can connect with her and ask her if I can come in and do some trainings and stuff, because I got a lot of stuff in my toolbox. I just got to get my content together. I have so much content. I don't know. Do I choose the first That's one, right. pick one or the third one? I'm just going to you know, choose one you and know just what go you with choose? it. I would like to have my own foundation one day while I teach 
little girls how to love themselves. You will. And why don't we start it online? Because there's a lot of little girls right now that are out of school until, I know here in Canada, every school has been closed until May 4th. There's a lot of little girls that would look at beautiful Alicia on Facebook or on Instagram, but on Facebook, do a Facebook Live and just tell your story and talk and let people start to share. Let your story go viral. Just have the courage to tell your story. That's all you got to tell right now. You don't need to give all the the next steps and how to do and what to do and how to, you know what you do? Just telling your story heals people. You've healed me. You've been a big part of my healing, being able to walk this journey with you, to love you, to have you love me. The way we've just stuck together over the years, when you went through your double mastectomy, I remember just saying, can you give me your address? And I don't know if you ever got them, but I sent you some great yeah, recipe you books. You sent me some books that, um, crazy, sexy, crazy yeah. sexy cancer. And I think, that, yeah. And, you know, I didn't do that because, and I, I don't never acknowledged it publicly, but I didn't do that because I just did it because I love you. You're going to get through this. I see. I see. I so uh, I so appreciate it. It's, uh, it's 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 crazy, but it's it's my story. How I I would say that you know breast cancer was a a gift, and it came wrapped in three layers of coarse sandpaper, and I didn't realize what it was until mm. I started to unwrap it. Because when I started to unwrap it, I saw something that I didn't have, and that was me. Oh, Alicia. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. When I do my next compilation book, Simply Woman, when I do my next book, I want you to have a chapter in that book. I want you to tell your story in that book. Will you do that? Okay. Will you be my guest writer? I will. I will. So you start working. When you do your unity tour, I would like to be able to have my 15 minute TED talk because I dream of doing a TED talk you where I be. go and, you know, do my dip. You tell your story up. They see how you are right now and they think this is where you always have been. And then you do a dip and you tell them a, a low point in your life. I have many of those. So I have many stories. And let me tell you something, nobody listening to you and nobody who reads your story and nobody that sees you give a TED talk or your you're speaking because I have plans and we've talked about me doing that unify tour. Um, once the world gets back to, to, to business the way, and I don't think it ever will go back to the way it was, but when we finally do that unify tour, I absolutely had planned to have you as one of the speakers on the stage. So I'm not making any promises. I don't ever want to tell people, Oh, I'm here to save you. You're saving yourself. Well, I know. I got I to save myself. Cause if I don't show up, who's going to show up for me? Yeah. It's like, it's like I have a homework assignment. You, you, you the mother or you the teacher, but you're doing the homework and, and you let me get credit for them, but I'm not, not actually learning or growing. You're growing. I love it. It's okay. Let your tears flow. Share it. I, I hope you feel a little, do you feel a little better than you did when you got on half an I hour ago? Feel, I feel, I feel, a, I feel a lot better. And I think my emotions are just, um, just so wobbly only because, my life is about to change. I told myself when 2020 came that it's going to be epic for me. 
And I don't know what that looks like or what it feels like, but I just know that my life is about to change. And when I crossed over from 2019 to 2020, I said that I will no longer carry dead bodies. If you're dead weight, I'm leaving you over here because I'm about to cross over because I can't do it any longer. You won't do it any longer. You could do it. I will it, not. Yeah, I refuse. But you won't. Yeah. You could. You could carry those mm-hmm. burdens and that baggage for another 30 years. No, not going to do that. We're done with that. We're putting that baggage down. We're going to grieve that we carried that baggage for so long. We're gonna. It's going to be a little scary not having all that baggage. It's going to be a little scary all of a sudden going through yeah. life without hauling around your 50 pounds of baggage everywhere you go, your garbage bag on your back of like, I ought to carry this. Go to the grocery store, unload the bag of garbage into the cart and push it around the grocery store with you and then yeah. heave it back on your shoulder and go yeah, out to the car exactly. and you don't need to carry that anymore. And that's what's happening. You're, you're, you're letting go and it's a little scary to let go of what was. But on the other side of fear is desire. And so... Let those butterflies in your stomach be excitement rather than anxiety. Tell yourself, this is just excitement for what's coming. It's on its way. Yes. Yes. I'm sending you so much love today. Yes, Thank you. Thank you. And once I'm, I'm ready and I'm there, I'll, I'm, I, just, I just think, of, just like I said, I just think about everything in my bag because I know once upon a time I wanted to coach cancer patients because after cancer, Nobody's there to hold your hand and tell you what you what you need to do to build your immune system, what you don't need to do. And it's a scary process, but I had my checkup, I don't know, like the beginning of the year. And my immune system is like a normal person. It's only been two years, and I know people that have a hard time getting their white blood cells up. And I could, you know, I can show them what I did to keep my, my and man listen, free listen, and at peace. Alicia, do you know how amazed it was when I started seeing, I, I sent you that book, Carrie, Scary, I mean, Crazy Sexy Cancer and Going Vegan yeah. and Plant-Based. Do you know how crazy it was to me when all of a sudden Alicia from Chicago is a vegan? I said, yeah, this is incredible. We can mm-hmm. all learn. But if no one's ever taught us, it's not our fault. And now that you right, know better, know, Alicia, don't you don't know what you don't know. And now that you know, you're, you're using your life. Even this conversation right now, no word of a lie, will help thousands of people. So thank you. Mm. Yes, it's been, it's been a journey, but... I'm here and I'm still here to talk about it. I'm, I, I'm not going to say I never suffered from depression because I did for a lot, a lot of years. Yeah. But I've never been to a mental institution. Yeah. I've never been on drugs. Yeah. I've never been. Mm, yeah. Where you could I have never, gone, how your life could have I gone. I never was out there. Where yeah. You, and yeah. where you could have gone, but your heart your spirit, your willing spirit, you somehow knew deep down inside that you matter. That's what made you sign up to become an empowerment coach. You spent the money. You did the work. It wasn't given to you. This wasn't a scholarship. You paid for it. You're doing it. And you know what? When you decide to say, I'm back in the game, that's how the universe can get in and help you. But if you're not willing to say, I'm willing to do my part, there's nothing God can do. And I'm sorry, some people would say, that's terrible. Well, I don't think you can just sit in the lotus position at the bottom of the mountain and pray your way to the top. You've got to also take the steps. 
And then the power yeah, of faith. Do, you do. Yeah, you got to do what you, you got to do. do. Accountability is, is powerful, and you have accountability for self because I had to realize that I am responsible for whatever I create. And so it's time for me to create something different because the pain that I had, that I, that I've been carrying all these many years, it wasn't even my pain to carry it, but I was carrying it yeah. anyway. Well, that's what's and called no feeling your legacy. Could, no one else was strong enough that's right. to step up and say, I got this. You But just I was healed. a little girl and I had to step up and say, I got this. Yep. And you just healed your legacy. You healed the legacy of all the women who came before you by you changing things. And that's how it works. You know, in science, they call it epigenetics. That, you know, when Mm -hmm. a a mother or a grandmother was traumatized or abused, it actually changes her DNA and it changes the DNA of her children. So that's why women who have been traumatized, sometimes their child then carries that, um, that disposition to depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So when we heal ourselves, we heal our children. And that's what the Dalai Lama meant when he said, the Western woman's going to heal the world because we women are healing ourselves. And in healing ourselves, we're able to start that healing experience and process in our families, in our relationships, in our communities, and in our countries. So what you're doing is important. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna I appreciate go to, you so very much. Yes. Oh, my God. I appreciate you so much. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mm. Thank you. I received that. I feel your big warm hug right now. And I'm giving you back one. Yeah. Love you, girl. Woman. I love you. Love right. you, too. I love you, too, girl. Okay. All right. Bye for now. Bye-bye. All right. Bye for now. Bye-bye, Alicia. We have someone else on the line right now we're going to get to. I'm not sure. You never know where you're calling from, but I have a funny feeling this is from California, unless the phone is just not California. Who's raised your hand? There's someone else that's raised their hand today. I did. You did. Who are you? California, Selma. Selma. Hey, Selma. Yes. So great to hear Hi, from I spoke you. with you in October okay. and um, signed up for your class, and I'm doing it now, and there's so much insight. And then when I hear speak stories like Alicia's, I'm like, oh, my God, I better get on with it and stop my pity party that's <laughs> lasted way too long. Yeah, that's why <sighs> stories like Alicia's are so powerful for us to hear. And, but yeah, and, and I feel stuck and, and depressed and not moving forward and no lack of energy. And I'm like, oh, my God. And you hear something like Alicia. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to clean my stuff up yeah. and get on with it and stop feeling sorry for myself or scared or fearful. And she's thing. such a brave woman. She's un, she's overtaken everything. Yeah. Everything. And um, I know she's working on it. But, but Salma, your stuff is still your stuff. I have no excuse. No, I'm going to stop you there because that's the thing. One person's pain or suffering or depression or anxiety or abuse or trauma doesn't have anything to do with you and what you've gone through and what you're feeling. And because we're human beings are dynamic. And that just means that we have the full range of emotions within us. We're not just locked in on one thing. And we all have access to lower levels of consciousness and higher levels of consciousness. We all have access to it. And if you were never taught how to be joyful, 
You were never taught how to think in a way that serves you, uplifts you, empowers you, encourages you. You don't even know it. And grief, we actually know grief. Uh, Scientists have shown that, you know, for example, if there's loss and we grieve a loss, the, the trouble is our brains are wired to be in a loop. So when we think about that person or that thing that we lost, whether it was our great health, whether it was a great home, whether it was, it gives us sadness and sorrow, but at the same time, we remember that great home or we remember those memories or remember that fit body or remember that person that we loved and we also feel pleasure. So the pleasure part of the brain lights up at the same time that the pain part of the brain lights up and we can stay locked in a pity party. And it, it, it doesn't mean that, well, we didn't go through what Alicia went through But our brain is still locked in a certain place. And until someone helps you unlock it and climb higher, we do stay stuck in patterns. And we do stay stuck in sadness or grief or depression. Or it's not, don't be be mean to yourself or hard on yourself. Because that's not going to serve you either. So why don't we just talk about where you're feeling and how you're feeling stuck right now. And I promise you, 90% of people that you coach, Selma are going to be more your story than Alicia's. There's going to be way more of your stories of women who even have what I call divine discontentment. They really have everything to be happy, and but they're not. Right. And I would never say to that woman, what's wrong with you? You know, I have another client who was, who was kidnapped by a pimp with a machete. You should be happy. That doesn't serve you because it doesn't, it just doesn't serve you. And I love your little laugh of truth. Because that's the truth. So that's, that's true. So let's that's talk true. about and, and yeah. I, I have the same feelings about like I've raised my kids pretending we had the perfect family, um, not wanting anybody to know like all the yeah dysfunction or the toxic toxicity yep. of the relationships. Um, a husband who undermined me a lot, um, never made me, I never felt like number one because the mother was always in the freaking marriage and put a lot of guilt on him to yeah. pick her first. So I just feel like I've been on an island by myself for so long. Yes. And then in my own bringing up, my it's like I, I married familiarity. I didn't realize that at the time. And now I realize I married my mom. Mm-hmm. I could never be good enough. She still, to this day, prefers my brother. He's 51 years old, living at home, mooching off of her, and and she's completely happy and content because she's a complete codependent. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying. I've been trying to break those cycles. So with my children, I've tried being as fair as possible, trying to control the environment as much as I can, so that they could think that they had the perfect family without letting them know, like my brother was a drug. Um, drug addict that you know my sisters my stepsisters from my dad's second marriage was a mess so I felt like yeah, yeah. my and you mom know what? and you know what Selma I had a lot of abandonment from my mom I didn't belong there and then I moved with my dad when I was 17 or 18 my stepmother was a bitch to me then I didn't belong there and so my dad thank god he had the money he bought me a condo and it's like I just and then I get married a few years later get pregnant 
and now I'm settled into a relationship that I was in for 30 years, and now I'm so scared of divorce, and he's changing. He was a narcissist. It was awful, and I was emotionally and verbally abused. Now I see all that, yeah. but I'm so scared to just pull the plug and call the divorce because he's like, I've changed. I'm a new man. So and I I'm wouldn't. Afraid, like, can I, can I well, just say, what some, do I do? Some of this is what I would say. I would say I'm so grateful that you called today. I'm so grateful. And if we go a couple minutes past the hour, not a problem. Let's just, and if anyone needs to hang up or go, that's okay. Say bye-bye. But here we are and I'm with you. And I'm going to tell you that what you're talking about is, is uh, number one, we call it the mother wound. I call it, I actually heard that term for the first time. want to give credit where credit's due to Bethany Webster. Um, She has a website called Womb of Light, WW Womb of Light. Um, and I teach a lot on this relationship we have with our mothers. And the, and the truth is every single woman born today, every single woman ever born has been born into that mother wound because, you know, just like you saying, my mother literally loves my 51-year-old drug addict brother better than me. And I've done everything in my power to be loyal and to raise kids in perfection in the, you know what, that's the Stepford Wives. That's that movie, The Stepford Wives, where you're pulling the plug and you're saying, I can't lie anymore. And secrets make us sick. And so the majority of work that's happening, and that's why it almost sometimes we feel like almost embarrassed to be sad or embarrassed because we're not Alicia. But God, we lived in oppressed, in toxic in dysfunctional, in homes that we were taught things like what goes on in this house stays in this house. We were taught that no one should know our business. Um, We were raised to believe that family means that you're loyal to the fault of your own um, mental well-being, that you should never tell the secrets of your parents, even if they're beating the shit out of you or sexually abusing you. You should never, ever betray your husband by saying, it's not a good life. We want to protect our kids by pretending we have a good life, but the kids on some level know. So you're actually on the front lines right now, my darling of the women's movement. That's where you are. (laughs) That's what you've been called to do. You're one of the women that are being called to heal the world and not because you don't have food in the fridge, not because you're suffering so badly that you have to go bankrupt or that you're, but you've actually reached the point that you've said, I've raised the kids. I put 30 years into this marriage. I got a 51 year old brother who's a loser that my mother still values more because he has a penis. I'm sorry to say it that way because he's a boy because I was raised in a home where the boys get, the boy goes to the country club with dad and gets a $20,000 a year golf club membership and I've never even seen it because well, I'm a girl. I needed to learn how to cook. I needed to learn how to clean. I needed to learn how to please a man. I needed to learn how to be pretty. I needed to, have to learn how to keep my mouth shut. I needed to, so you can see that I've defied everything. <laughs> like I'm the black sheep in my family. So some, I'm not going to say leave or don't leave, but I'm going to say this. Do your work. Get through your course. Apply the lessons. Really, really dig in and say, you know, is, are you at a place where your husband is changing? Can you forgive him? Did he know any better? He was raised in that patriarchy too. He was actually raised to believe he's better than you. He was actually raised to believe his life had more value. His job was more important than your job. 
his opinions? How do you know? (laughs) (laughs) I know I love the laugh of truth because you know why? It's all of our, it's all of our truths. That's why I do the work I do because it's almost every woman's story. It's almost every woman's story. And that's why right now we're being called like never before. Not to divorce, not to flip out, not to freak out. not And that might have to be something that has to happen for you. You might be better off on your own. But now it's like we're being called to say, we're going to start teaching people how to communicate effectively. We're stepping into our power. We, will, we are standing up. Oh, my sister, it is time. Stand up. I'm going to end with that song today by Natalie Hughes. Oh, my sister, it is time to stand up. We are being called. Like, think about it, Selma. A hundred years ago, you weren't a person yet by law. You were not considered a person under the law. You couldn't vote. You couldn't run for... Like, I was just hearing this, like Saudi Arabia. Do you know, like, women still can't run for office? Like, women have just been given the right to vote, but they're not because they're being executed. Women have just been given the right to drive a vehicle, but they're not yet because the women who are driving vehicles get grabbed by the police and put in jail. So, like, of course we're being called because... We're, you're here in California, and you're able to, but we are being called now for other women, other places in the world. And it's not to say, just fuck your husband, excuse my language, fuck patriarchy, leave all the men, because those men are also our sons. Those men are our boys, and our children, and our grandsons. So we're actually being called to heal. Heal ourselves first, and then let's Let's heal them. Let's heal these relationships. And I'm not saying that you and your husband should stay together forever and a day, but I am saying this. You put in 30 years, boy, if you could turn that, what a story that would be. If you could turn that marriage into something beautiful again, boy, isn't that a story to tell? And if you can't, you got to turn your life into the story you want it to be. And that's a story to tell too. But I always say, when in doubt, don't. Make it all about you. Imagine you were single right now. Start thinking like you're single. If you don't want to make dinner for him, don't make dinner for him. Because leaving him, you're certainly not going to be making dinner for him. You don't want to wash his clothes anymore? Stop washing his clothes. Because leaving him... Well, it's nice because he moved out a year and a half ago, and I'm so much more peaceful. So you're still married, but living in two homes. Yes. Well, maybe you figured something out. Did you ever read that book, What Was It, A Year by the Sea?, I haven't read it yet, but I think I own it. I buy books all the time. I think it's a story of a woman. You should buy it. I'm going to find the name of it. Um, I think it's I think it's A Year by the Sea. And it's a woman who just, after 30 years of marriage, just says, I don't know what I want. And she up and leaves, and she goes off by her own, and she rents a little cabin by the ocean. And for a year, she's on her own. And she writes, and she eats when she wants, and she sleeps when she wants. And, she, and isn't that privilege? But, hey, she had... She has a life that she can do that, and she's teaching a lot of us, and she taught a lot of women what life can still look like. And so, hey, I don't know that you need to actually get divorced yet, but boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of have, kind of like a lot of women be like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that is cool. That is cool. That is cool. 
So you're figuring it out. You know what? I hear a man that's going to jump hoops for you. That's actually what I think now. That's what he's trying to do. Oh, God bless him. Honestly, God bless him. But I can't stand him. him anymore. Eeks. I know. Isn't that sad? Isn't it sad when we don't have the courage to live our truth and it gets to the point that we can't stand someone? Because we just didn't have the courage to tell them all along the way. Yes, because I was afraid, and he would yell at me if I started to tell him something, and he'd say, he knows more than I do, and I would just shut up. So I didn't have a voice for a very long time. Well, I think now is the and time that I just you... got angrier and angrier and madder and madder until I couldn't do another day. I felt like I was in jail yeah. doing time, and every day I was so disconnected from my body and my mind were in two different places and when I realized I had no love in my heart for my at the time 10 year old I realized this has got to stop I can't even feel love for my daughter oh yeah yeah I was that numbed out yeah so you're doing the right thing you're healing your heart which is he was such a jerk he used to make me have forced me to have sex Mm. and because he felt if he could have sex and he felt we were connected and we were good yeah, and you're like, no, <laughs> not. And so I just have a lot of anger. Yeah, so and what it doesn't I would even, say. I'm not mad anymore. I don't even care anymore. I just want to be alone, well, then, but I'm scared. Then, you know what? That's what you have to walk through. What would courage have you do? What would courage have you do? Just Please? walk through. Then walk through. I would through. just walk through, and that's what I've been thinking about since your call on Tuesday. What would courage have you do? And I'd like, I would just pull the plug. What am, you, you know, I just found out he lied to me about my son. He's tried turning the kids against me. He lied to me about, we threw our 25-year-old out of the house a year and a half, a year ago. And he, he had my son go to his house and live with him. I'm like, how much more do you stand against me? Like, how you know do you I'm hearing? have I'm hearing the audacity that, yeah. to lie to me? So here's the trouble, is that, you know, this is the trickle-down effect. When we're in a relationship where our partner is being mean and manipulative to us so sadly we don't realize it but it trickles down to the way we feel about our children and that's the trickle down effect and that's why women have to heal things because we have to heal our hearts so that our anger at our partners or our mother or our father or our husband doesn't trickle down and infiltrate the way we start seeing our children even if he's 25 So I'm going to keep encouraging you that you keep doing this work to push through your anger and and feel it and write it down and acknowledge it and have some pride and dignity right now. And you've done that and some courage and just higher than courage is is neutral and neutral means having the the ability to just rise up above it a little bit and be like, I wonder what my son feels, thinks, went through. I wonder what my daughter feels, thinks, went through. I wonder what my ex feels, thinks, went through. I wonder what my mother feels, thinks. And not for you to act on any of it. Not do anything. Don't do anything out of guilt. Don't do anything because that's not love. But just to have a bit of a higher perspective to be like, I don't need to make any choice right now, but I do need to see that there are different perspectives, different sides to this, different feelings, different hurt feelings, different just we're all just human beings we're we're in a, we're in a family and the truth is we're going to be together forever on some level 
Mm-hmm. And so if I can rise That's through true. that and think, what could, what am I willing to do for my happiness right now? What am I willing to do for my peace of mind? What am I willing to do for my self sense of self-love? What do I need to do so I can live and let live and let them go with with non-attachment, with no rage, with no anger, with no just let them be. Let them all figure it out and send them love and forgive them for not being forgive him for not being the husband you needed him to be. Forgive him for not being the father he should have been. Forgive yourself for not being able to love your 10-year-old little girl and how that must have affected her. That all of that is willingness. And you know there's a great saying where there's a will, there's a way. You have to ask yourself now, because I already think you're much higher in the empowerment spectrum than you're realizing. You're not down there in sorrow and grieving. You're not. You're not. You're past the fear. You're past it. You've moved beyond it. You've moved through the anger. You've had pride and dignity. You've asked him to leave. You even use the words, I threw my son out. And I haven't heard that in a long time. No, I asked my 24-year-old son that it was time to leave home because I'm not going to be like my mother having my 51-year-old son in the house. He didn't exactly. throw him out. Yeah. And I gave him a consequence. If you don't have a job in two and a half months, you're out. Yeah. That's really what happened. And, and he didn't even, have a job. So. And, and it's not even out. So, of course, he ran to dad. Because guess what? Everyone's saying, mom's gone crazy. <laughs> They're all saying, mom's lost her mind. Mom threw dad out, mom threw me out, and they're all going to have, because you know what else happens? When a narcissist can no longer control you, he wants to control how people see you. Uh-huh. So when a narcissist, when someone who's controlling, who is either, whether it's a narcissistic mother who's controlled you, a narcissistic father, a narcissistic partner, a narcissistic child, whenever one of those people can no longer control the, what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're acting, then they want to start controlling the narrative around you. They want to start controlling how, see, now I can get the son to bond. But none of that serves your son. It doesn't serve your children. It's, it's no, it hurting. damages them. It and damages them. It's like, how could you do this to the children? So that's why I mean, you have to start children, thinking. Adults, but still. They're still people. Children who are 50 years old can still be hurt by their 75-year-old mother. Mm-hmm. Children who are 80 years old can still be sad about their childhood. Like, that stuff never goes away if we don't heal it. And so what mm-hmm. you're doing now is you're saying, I have to heal my heart. I have to decide to stand up and speak my truth and live the rest of my life in alignment with my heart, my joy, my peace of mind. And I promise you this, you will not have peace of mind if you're in a battle, in a war with your kids or your ex. So there's going to be a healing that happens. And I don't think you're going to be with him. I'll be honest now that we've just had just 10 minutes of talking. I don't think you're going to probably take him back. No, I don't think so. So when you say pull the plug, you already pulled the plug. There's your laugh of truth. Here, I'm going to do this for you right now. Thank you so much. (laughs) I think you've already done it, Selma. Now you just have to have the courage and the willingness to, to do it for you and do it with as much kindness and courage and compassion for everybody as you can muster up. Because you don't need to be crazy, bitch. You don't need to be the crazy bitch. You don't need to be crazy mom. No. You don't need to be crazy Selma and lost her mind and kicked everyone out. 
No, Salma finally came to her senses. She raised the kids. She put 30 years in. And now it's time for Salma to start thinking about Salma. And you know what? That is actually the greatest gift you can give your children is becoming a happy, peaceful, loving woman. That's how we heal the world. Mm-hmm. So what's courage going to have you do? Move forward and um, not look back as into what could be or, you know, been there, question. done that, got the T-shirt. I'm Let's, sorry? You say, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And no matter how much he tells me he changes, I still see Boy, other actions. Loves you. So. you know what? You need to say to him, um, I'm taking a pause and I don't know what the future holds. And if you really feel like, no, I don't want you back, then you got to just say it and let let him move on. And you can say it like this. Seriously, Sama, you can say it like this. I'm so sorry that I'm hurting you. You don't have to say, you hurt me. You can say, I'm so sorry that I'm hurting you. And I know you don't want to be divorced. But I have to do what's right for me. And I'm not doing this to hurt you. I'm doing this because I don't like who I am with you. I don't like who I am when I'm with you. And I need to like myself again. And I'm getting to like myself again. And who knows what the future is. You know what? You're right. I don't like who I am when I'm with him. I'm very judgmental. Everything he does bothers me. That's it. And that's what I had to. You're right. You know, years after my my first husband and I split up, I actually called him just to make amends in my own heart. I call, I actually texted him or emailed him and said, hey, can we talk? Because we were like raging enemies. And, and I just apologized. And I said, like, I'm so sorry for hurting you, for leaving you. I'm so sorry. Um, I, I just wasn't happy. And I had to do what I had to do to get happy. And the way I did it maybe wasn't the right way. And looking back, if I had better communication skills, I had more confidence, or I had more, I wouldn't have done it the way I did it. And then I was done. I didn't have to, I didn't keep feeling guilt or I didn't feel like he's not happy or he, it's my fault. No, you got it. We're all accountable now. People sometimes close the door on us. You get fired from the job you liked. You have somebody that breaks up with you and breaks your heart. You get a dil, a, a, a illness or a disease like Alicia, you lose your breasts. Things happen in life, and then it's up to us to say, okay, it's up to me to pick myself up, dust myself off, and get back on the horse. So when you can do that and actually say it's either done or I, I don't know what the future holds, but right now there's no, there's no hope for us. Like, tell the truth. Tell the truth, Selma. This is your opportunity to tell the truth. Yes, and and I have, not in those words, but I have told him, and he's in complete denial. He, What if I go and I start cooking for you every day? What if I do this for you? It's well, like, what if he did? no. What if he did? What if he did? What if he treated you? What does he do? What if he did? What if he suddenly started treating you like you always want to be treated? Do you have any place in your heart to forgive him for all those years that he I didn't? think I would not have any respect for him. Really? Why? Yeah. Why? Because he would 
I would feel he's doing it from a needy place and manipulative place. And that's one way to look at it. And maybe with everything you've been through, you have the right to feel that way. And if you feel like, no, you abused me for 30 years, I've shut the door, then don't open it again. But if you feel like he's doing it because he didn't know any better for all those years and he finally starting to know better and it's, he's doing it because he loves you. That's a different way of looking at it. And it could be that too. And you should ask him, what are your intentions? Like, what are your intentions? But here's what it comes down to. And we're going to, we're going to say goodbye in a minute or two, but here's what it comes down to Selma is what are your intentions? What do you want? I don't want to be in a place where what do you want? I don't respect him and I don't love him. And he's in my, I I can't fancy him every day. If you could wave a magic wand, don't think about what you don't want. I don't want to be in the place. I want to be in a place where I can respect my husband. And unless I can respect him, I wouldn't even consider entertaining the possibility of getting back together with him. That and feeling safe and protected and that he really, truly has my back. Like he's really on the same page with me. So if he really, truly had your back, if he truly was on the same page with you, and if you really, truly did begin to respect him again, is there any hope for your marriage? Well, I'd have to start to love him again, which I don't know that I have that in me. Can I tell you something? I don't like okay, him so now. I'm going to stop you and say, I just got a big grin that went right across my face. Because something in what you just said, said, you know what? I don't like him right now, but I'd have to, I'd have to consider opening up my heart again to consider loving him. And you know what I know about love? You just don't need to close the door either way. But here's what we do know. You cannot love him if you don't respect him. And you cannot love yourself if you don't respect yourself. So what this really comes down to is I finally have some self-respect and I'm never giving that up again. So that tells me that you're resonating right under courage. And (laughs) you are so close to living your truth. You are so close to living in woman energy I want to believe you. It's the truth. So you just keep deciding that dignity, self-respect, courage are where you need to stay. And where there's a will, there's a way. We're going to end on that. Selma, thank you so much for calling thank in today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you for everything. You're so And welcome. thank you, ladies, for holding space for, for me and for Crystal and helping us walk through this. Yeah. And there's many women here listening. So thank you so much, Selma. Thank you to Alicia. Thank you to everyone who just was a fly on the wall today, sat listening, holding space. Gayla, Deanne, Ramona, Mary Elizabeth, Deanna, Linda, so many of you that were here. Madeline, thank you for being here. Thank you for holding space. For those of you that are on your uh, on the webinar, thank you for being here with us today. And for those of you that are listening as a podcast, why don't you subscribe to my channel? It only comes out once a month, but at least you'll get a little notice when the next one comes out that you can listen along. If you enjoyed this conversation, share it. 
Uh, if you think someone could benefit from it, share it. I would be so grateful. And if you'd like to sign up for mentorship coaching, it's another amazing offering that we that we have at the SWAT Institute, which means you can sign up for one-on-one private coaching with one of our coaches in training who have put in countless hours into learning the empowerment process, the processes, the interventions, um, and supporting you to get back up into your truth, to have the courage to live your truth and to do what you have to do to be willing to create a great life for yourself. Thank you to everyone. Have a great week. And again, check us out at SWATinstitute.com. And until then, remember, empowerment equals choice. It's always up to you. Thank you for joining us today on Chat with Crystal, empowerment coaching and conversations with real women from around the world. Of course, my name is Crystal Andrus Morissette, and it's been my honor to spend this time with you. If you'd like to be a guest on the show to get the coaching that you need, please visit www.swatinstitute.com. And remember, empowerment equals choice. It's always up to you.